All right, good. We are going to take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 7. We'll be looking at verses 36 through 50 this morning. So take your Bibles and turn there. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. Um, chapter 7 represents a pretty good break in the, from the previous sections in Luke. Jesus leaves a level place and travels to Capernaum. And there he heals a centurion servant. The faith of the centurion gives us opportunity to see the authority of Jesus. The centurion knows what it means to have and be under authority. Jesus displays his supernatural authority by healing the servant without seeing or touching the servant. Luke tells us in verse 11 that Jesus, his disciples, and a great crowd leave Capernaum. And they enter a town called Nain, and as he draws up to the gate, a man was being brought out in a funeral procession. The only son of a widow, this man would have been the social security for his mother. But now she's left with nothing. The widow in obvious distress is in grief and is weeping. The Lord, having compassion for her and her situation, he reaches out, touches the platform on which the dead man is laying, and does something that only one with supernatural authority and power can do. He commands the man to arise, and the Bible tells us the man sits up, he gets up, and he starts talking. This freaks everyone out. Here's what the crowd says after Jesus did this. They say, a great prophet has risen among us. God has surely visited his people. Then later on in, in verse 17 of chapter 7, messengers from John the Baptist come with a question. And they ask Jesus, are, and this is the question from John, are you the one or shall we look for another? Listen to that question. Are you the one or shall we look for another? And then Jesus told them, Go tell them what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead raise, and the poor have the good news preached to them. This is beautiful truth, an amazing truth. That Jesus was the Messiah. It's a clear answer to John's question. Yes, Jesus is the one. The messianic prophecy of Isaiah 35 is fulfilled. For in Isaiah 35 verses 4 through 6 it says, Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. And the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame man will leap like a deer. And the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Jesus is the one. He is the Messiah. He is the one who has come. He is the God-man. And you know, every person who lived in the first century or lives in the 21st century, we all have diverse physical needs. What we need physically now is completely different than what people needed when Luke wrote this gospel. But listen, listen to this. We all have the same spiritual need. 
No matter matter what corner of this world someone is born in, whether their first breath is taken in a palace or in a pasture, without our sin forgiven, there is no hope. Without the forgiveness of our sin, we would all die and spend eternity in a place that the Bible describes as a lake of unquenchable fire. Hell is real. It's not popular, but it's real. We speak of heaven and all the glories found there, but we also must warn of this lake of fire that the word describes as an eternal, unending death. The wrath of an infinite God being poured out, infinite punishment for those without repentance and faith. A million years from now, their cries will not have faded. Their tears will not be wiped away. But friend, may I say with the love of God and with compassion for your eternal soul, Jesus is the one who has come. He is the Messiah. He is God in flesh. For those who repent and believe the gospel, the Bible promises that our tears will end. The Bible tells us that Jesus himself will wipe the tears away from our eyes. Our pain is temporal. It is limited to our existence on this earth. For those who have faith in Jesus Christ, our future includes an infinite joy. Jesus is the one. There is no need to look for another. And so we come to verse chapter uh, 7, verse 36. And we're going to read verses 36 through 50. So beginning there in verse 36, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees had given when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this he said to himself If this man were a prophet he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him for she is a sinner And Jesus answering said to him Simon I have something to say to you And he answered say it teacher So Jesus said a certain Money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little 
loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. May it be a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. May it not return void. May it accomplish the purpose that you've set it out as we look at it today. I need to be led by your spirit today. I am in desperate need of you. So as we look at these passages together, speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. If we need to be broken, will you break us? If we need to be healed, will you heal us? Do what you have purposed. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So there are three questions we're going to ask to prayerfully help us hear from the Lord the truth he has given us in this text. And so here are the three questions. Question number one, why is the woman weeping? Question number two, why is Simon condemning and the last question probably the most important question is who am I the Bible tells us that Jesus was invited to eat at a Pharisee's home now this supper would have been quite different than ours in their world such meals would have been in a home but the home would have been open for the public to kind of walk in see who's there and walk out Not everyone would eat, but anyone could come in and watch. Someone could walk right in from the street, sit on the edges of the room. And some of the people that would walk in the street would actually have conversations with those who were reclined at the table and eating. In Simon's home, there most likely was a short table with food placed on this table. And this table would have been surrounded by guests who would have reclined on the floor facing, their ta- facing this table with their feet toward the edges of the room. No doubt this was the position of Jesus when the woman of the city, a sinner, came to him and began to wet his feet with her kisses and tears and wipe them with her hair and anoint them with her most precious per- possession, this alabaster flask of perfume. And so we come to our first question then is, why was this woman weeping? And I believe Jesus makes it clear in uh, the parable he tells of the money lender to Simon. She was weeping because she was deeply aware of her need for forgiveness and believed that Jesus was the only one who can and would cure her broken soul. These tears were a peculiar mixture of brokenness and affection. After suffering the repeated abuse from many evil men, her soul now surrendered to the sovereign safety of the God-man. This is made clear in the parable that Jesus shares to all in the room. The woman has an unpayable debt. There's no amount of work or money to be made to repay the debt she has made. It is a sin debt. The Bible tells us the wages of that debt is death. She is keenly aware of her indebtedness, 
and inability to repay. Many commentators would say that Luke's use of language here tells us that this woman was most likely a prostitute. Her sin would have been obvious to everyone in the room. But can I tell you, friend, most importantly, her sin was obvious to herself. She knew her soul was broken. She knew she needed healing. And she knew that Jesus was the only one who could give it. You see, before someone can receive forgiveness, they must first see their need for it. She knows who she is and what she needs. So how does she know that Jesus is the one with the authority and the power to forgive sin? Was she there when the centurion's servant was healed? Did she follow Jesus on to name to see the widow's son come to life again? Had she seen the blind see and the lame leap for joy? We don't know how she knew, but one thing is obvious. She knew who Jesus was. She knew what Jesus could provide for her. And she was willing to... To come to him and in an act of humility, service, love, and yes, worship. She selflessly did for Jesus what the Pharisee failed to do. This woman of the city showed the love and respect any honored guest should have been shown. So Jesus tells us this unloving Pharisee lacked the common hospitality that anyone with any sense of respect for their guest, would have done. The Pharisee should have done all that the woman of the city did for him. But let me tell you something. The woman's not just being hospitable. She's worshiping her Savior. She's worshiping without any thought of what anyone else thinks. She did what no self-respecting woman of her day would have done. She let down her hair, wept over and kissed the feet of Jesus, and then wiped his feet with the God-given glory that she had been given. The most shameful thing she could have done would have been to let down her hair. And with total abandonment, she lets it down and begins wiping the feet of her Savior. She surrendered at the feet of the one that we all must surrender to. The feet enveloped with her tears and costly oil would later be covered in his own blood, given as a sacrifice to pay the debt that she could not pay. Though her sins were like scarlet, they were now white as snow. You see... She knew she needed to be forgiven. She knew that Jesus was the only one that could forgive her. And so with reckless abandon, she comes in and shows her love for a Savior who had forgiven her uh, an, an, an unpayable debt. It brings us to the next question. Why is Simon the Pharisee Condemning. So let's think about Simon for a moment. Simon would have lived in a completely different world than the woman lived. He had social position and privilege. He had a home of his own. He had wealth. He was educated in the law and lived in his own mind, at least, according to the law. 
The differences between Simon and this woman were obvious. He seemed to have everything according to the world standards, and she seemed to have nothing. However, Simon failed to see the most important thing that they had in common. It's interesting to see that Simon could discern what manner of woman was touching Jesus, but he had no clue of his own need of forgiveness. He knew what type of woman she was, but he had no clue what type of man that he was. If you would have asked a bystander in the room who is the most who is in the most danger of going to hell, everyone in the room would have looked at this woman and said, "It's her. She's the sinner." Can I tell you this morning, friends, there's nothing more dangerous than a hardened heart. A hardened heart will cause you to see everyone else's mistakes while missing your own. A hardened heart will cause you to gracelessly condemn, not able to perceive where God is working in the lives of other people. You see, Simon had no love for Jesus because he could not see his own need of forgiveness. He had let his religion get in the way. Everything that he had been educated on in the law was what he was putting his trust in for salvation. Yet salvation was there in his home, reclining at his table. And he was so blinded by a false religion. He was so blinded by his own self-righteousness that he was not able to see salvation was there. The only one able to pay his sin debt was right there, reclined at the table in his home. And we see Simon so wrapped up in the sin of the woman that he missed his own need for forgiveness. Without recognizing his need of forgiveness, listen to this. We'll say this again. Without recognizing his need of forgiveness. He sits in the presence of worship without participating in it. Let me say that again. He sits in the presence of worship without participating in it. He does not participate in the worship of the one true and living God because his self-righteousness is in the way. Think about it, God himself had stepped into his home and instead of introducing his guest to the one that can save them, he sits there and in his own mind condemns the one in the room who's truly worshiping King Jesus. He doesn't get it. He doesn't see it. His heart is so hard, he cannot see King Jesus for who he truly is. So we have the sinful woman of the city who is weeping at the feet of her Savior, worshiping him with all that she has in total abandonment, without care or concern of who is watching. You almost get the sense that it's just her and Jesus. 
And she's weeping and worshiping because she understands that she has a sin debt she can't pay. And the only one who can pay it is reclined there at the table in front of her. And her act of love is a response to God's act of grace to her in Christ Jesus. Why is she weeping? Because she loves the one who has forgiven her. Why is Simon condemning? Because he cannot see his own need of forgiveness. And with a hardened, self-righteous heart, he is so focused on the sin of everyone else that he misses the Savior. He misses his own need of forgiveness. And that brings us to the last question. And the last question this morning is, who am I? This may just be the most important question. You see, there are two people represented in the story. They both have the same need. They both have a debt they cannot pay, and they both need divine forgiveness. And so when we look at these two people, we first need to understand that the hard-hearted sinner is like the Pharisee. The hard-hearted sinner is like the Pharisee. If you're a hard-hearted sinner, you don't see your own need for forgiveness because you're too busy judging and condemning others. You're blind to the sinful sickness of your soul. People who are depending on their own righteousness live a graceless life without any meaning outside of themselves. They seek satisfaction in the sort of things that ultimately do not satisfy. Do you know that Simon was seeking peace and satisfaction in a good thing, the law of God, but yet he was missing the immeasurable thing, which is a grace-filled life lived following after Jesus, our King. When someone is a hard-hearted sinner, they can have the nicest clothes. They can live in a nice home. They can be surrounded by friends and nice things and good meals. Yet what does the Bible say about these people? It says you are poor, blind, and naked. And friend, I beg you right now, turn to Jesus Find in Him the healing for your soul. You've already, there's a good chance you've already turned me off, and I understand that. Your hard heart has already said, there's nothing in this sermon for me. And what I want to cry out to the Lord right now is, Lord, break their heart and help them see that they are depending on themselves for salvation and without your supernatural spirit breaking their heart and seeing their need for forgiveness, the only thing they can look forward to in eternity is a lake of fire that burns for all eternity. Lord, break their heart. Open their eyes that they may see you for who you are. If Jesus in chapter 7 it, at, in name can walk up to the platform and tell the widow's son to arise, surely he can break your heart and, and cause you to be born again. Lead you toward faith 
in repentance. You see, hard-hearted sinner, I've been where you are. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's only an unhealthy fear. Never knowing if you're good enough to make it. Never knowing if the stuff you do on earth ever accounts for anything. I know what it means to tear down others in an effort to lift yourself up. And friend, let me tell you, that life is a miserable life. But there's a greater life, a transcendent life. And that's not one of a hard-hearted sinner. It's one of a broken-hearted sinner who is like the woman of the city. See, you may or may not have sinned in the same way that she did. But I can tell you that the Bible says that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have done things our own way. The Bible tells us the bloody feet of Jesus were given so that we can be forgiven. The Bible tells us that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that the wages of our sin is death. The specific sins may be different. We may not sin the same way this woman sinned. But the condition of our soul is the same. The Bible tells us that the one who knew no sin, King Jesus, came and became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. And friend, let me tell you, that doesn't mean we always do the right thing. That may not even mean we do the right thing most of the time. But for the broken-hearted sinner, it does mean that our own sin breaks our heart. And in our brokenness, we realize there's only one person we can turn to for the healing and forgiveness our soul needs. And that man's name is Jesus. Many of you identify with the broken-hearted sinner. You're one yourself. You've surrendered to your Savior. You're more concerned with serving Him than anything this world has to offer. You've broken the ornamental flask of your life and poured it out at the feet of Jesus. All you have and all you are, you have given to Him. Can I tell you, brokenhearted sinner, continue to rem remember the gospel. Don't drift into a legalistic mindset that will slowly over time harden your heart. Give yourself, continue to give yourself freely to King Jesus and be busy about the task of giving Jesus to others. Because friend, if you're not careful, especially in this day and age, you will see all that is wrong around you, and you will lose sight of all that is wrong inside of you. And when you lose sight of all that is wrong inside of you, you begin to condemn and judge those outside of you. And when you do that, you may just find yourself acting more like the hard-hearted Pharisee, not the broken-hearted woman. So, follower of Jesus, be careful. Watch your steps. Be mindful that the person that's, that may be hardest for you to forgive 
is the person that Jesus has made forgiveness available to. And it may sound crazy, but he may just want you to be the one to share Jesus with that person. So which one are you? Are you the hard-hearted Pharisee or are you like the broken-hearted woman? If you're like the hard-hearted Pharisee, today is the day of your salvation. Will you turn from sin and self relying on your own ability that cannot repay the debt that God has? He has recorded for you. Your debt is recorded. And if you do not repent and believe the gospel... There will come a day where that debt will be paid. Hard-hearted Pharisee, will you turn from your sin and trust in Jesus Christ today? We're getting ready to worship with one last song. If you can see your need for forgiveness, can I beg you to respond with a self-abandoning love for Jesus? Can I beg you to seek after his will above your own? Love him more than anyone or anything else. If you are a broken-hearted city like the woman, a broken-hearted sinner like the woman of the city, can I tell you to worship this song with reckless abandon? Worship in this song with the spirit-led, God-given ability to sit at the feet of Jesus. Praising him and thanking him as an expression of love for all that he's done for you. The only hope of eternal life is found in Jesus. May we worship him as we sing this last song. Father, thank you for all that you have done for us in Christ Jesus. Give us eyes to see. There's a hard-hearted Pharisee within the sound of this voice. I pray that you break their heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh that's able to respond to you. May your spirit lead them to repentance and faith. Heal the brokenhearted. Father God, as we sing, remind us of all of what you have given us when you gave us Jesus. May we worship him now in spirit and in truth. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.